India says its economy could grow 7% per annum. That's faster than most economists had forecast and help power a 1.6% surge in India's stock market overnight. That's coming up in our five things in five minutes. And then in our deep dive interview, we hear from ANZ economist Bunzi Madhavani about why regular exports from Asia outside China are expected to be slower than electronics exports. You contrast that with electronics demand, which we think is going to ride the artificial intelligence wave. So demand for applications on the back of AI, we think will unfold through 2024. But first in 5 and 5 with ANZ, India's economy looks set to keep growing at around 7% over the next year. That's off the back of a very strong 7.3% growth in the year to March 2024. That's according to the nation's finance ministry that released its latest monthly economic review last night. The ministry said it was possible the annual GDP growth rate remains above 7% over coming years as well, boosted by strong domestic demand and lots of infrastructure investment, including in the digital economy. The biggest risk to growth, though, was rising geopolitical conflict. The report, which reviews the state of the Indian economy over the last 10 years, comes ahead of the Indian government's annual budget on the 1st of February on Thursday, which will have a more fulsome set of forecasts attached to it. We'll have a deep dive interview on that tomorrow. Number two. Meanwhile, markets in New Zealand are on tenterhooks this morning ahead of a speech by RBNZ chief economist Paul Conway, which some think include a pivot to a more dovish outlook than the Reserve Bank's last forecast all the way back at the end of November. The bank isn't due to talk formally and publish another monetary decision until February 28. That's three months between statements and decisions. That three-month gap has also opened up a gap between the RBNZ's forecasts for the official cash rate and what the market thinks it will do with the OCR. The RBNZ forecast in November said it may actually still hike one more time, whereas the market now sees cuts from August. ANZ New Zealand strategist David Croy isn't so sure, though, that a pivot is coming. People do seem to think that they're motivated by some desire to either pull the market back or to signal a pivot. But I think this is just all part and parcel of their earlier promise to communicate more with the market. So this is just having a chat, it's a webinar, rather than coming to it with a view to try and jolt the market one way or the other. Number three, looking ahead, the main focus this week in Australia is December quarter CPI inflation data. ANZ Australia's senior economist Catherine Birch sees a sharp drop in the annual rate to a two-year low of 4.3%, down from 5.4% in the September quarter. That will reassure the RBA. If the inflation data came in line with these forecasts, then it would be lower than what the RBA had forecast for the quarter, which is 4.5% for both headline and trimmed mean inflation. Now, because we think that inflation will be lower than the RBA expects, it really supports the likelihood of the RBA keeping the cash rate on hold at 4.35% at its February meeting next week. Number four. Catherine will be watching the non-tradable inflation figures the most closely. We still think that non-tradables inflation and services inflation are going to continue to accelerate and uh, actually be quite strong. Now, this suggests to us that while we don't see a rate hike at the February meeting and our base case is for no more rate hikes, 
and the next move being down late in 2024, it suggests that there is still some risk of rate hikes this year, particularly if we're right and non-tradables and services inflation remains quite high in Q4 and if that strength persists into 2024. That will be quite concerning. Number five. In Singapore, the Monetary Authority held its monetary policy position unchanged yesterday. But ANZ's head of Asia Research, Kun Go, says the statement was more hawkish than expected. They are looking at growth in Singapore accelerating. At the same time, they expect core inflation to stay elevated in the near term. All in all, it suggests that the MES is not going to pivot anytime soon. And suddenly, they don't look to be in a hurry to ease, and I expect them to only ease well after the Fed does. Couldn't go there. Now, in our bonus deep dive interview, I asked ANZ economist Bansi Madhavani about a recent note she published showing the divergence in exports from Asia economies outside China between tech exports and non-tech exports. Yeah, so the way to think about it is, look, non-electronic exports are more closely related to the global business cycle and trade trends. The world trade volume indicator, which we're looking closely at, actually has been decelerating since early 2023 and is now into contraction territory. That doesn't come as a surprise, actually, because a slowdown involves major economies, be it the US, the euro area, in many ways tells us that demand is likely to stay sluggish at best through 2024, which is why we think the non-electronics export segment from Asia x China, um, that segment is likely to grow at a very shallow pace. You contrast that with electronics demand, which we think is going to ride the artificial intelligence wave. So demand for applications on the back of AI, we think, will unfold through 2024. Um, Not only that, the demand for leading edge chips in general will get support from rising electronification of goods and high performance computing needs. The world's semiconductor trade statistics body, which is an industrial body uh, tracking developments in the sector across the globe, uh, is forecasting a 13% rise in semiconductor sales this year versus a 9% drop last year. Now, semiconductor sales in Asia x China's electronics exports are very closely related, and that gives us the confidence to say that electronics exports in the region are likely to outperform the non-electronics side of it. Just looking at uh, one of the charts in your note, which shows that there also seems to have been a divergence between semiconductors and the global electronics PMI. What's going on there? Yeah, that's right. So actually, semiconductor sales have been increasing for nine consecutive months since February last year. But in contrast to that, the S&P Global Electronics PMI stood at 47 in December. That is the latest reading that we have. Um, In fact, this reading is the lowest that we have since June of 2020. Remember, that was when the world was right in the middle of pandemic. So that contrast, we think, um, actually is coming from the fact that the improvement in semiconductor demand is very constant and is still in niche segments, but it's not generalized. What that means is that the demand for semiconductors related to high-performance computing, AI, high-end applications and vehicles is higher, but the lower value-added part of the segment actually hasn't picked up as well. And that explains the divergence and also possibly tells us why this recovery cycle is likely to be modest when we compare to the growth rates that we've seen in 2021 and 2022. So which of the economies outside of China in Asia are likely to benefit from this divergence? 
So Taiwan and South Korea, I think they are the best placed to make the most of the upturn that we're seeing in the semiconductor cycle. Put together, these two economies account for nearly 13% of global electronics trade. And their integration in global value chain is so deep that they are essentially an indispensable partner when it comes to leading edge semiconductor demand. Other couple of economies that we think will be in a beneficiary position, one is Singapore. Singapore accounts for a sizable 5.3% of global electronics trade. In fact, in the higher value-added segment, Singapore is a regional hub and it's also a supply chain diversification partner for a lot of these electronics manufacturers. Malaysia is another economy that has a reasonable share in electronics trade, around 3.2%, and it also relies on electronics a lot more. Uh, One third of its own exports are electronics exports. So we think Malaysia is another economy that can benefit from the upturn that we are expecting in semiconductor cycle. Vietnam is a small economy. It's still concentrated in the assembly and low-value-added production side, but we think it's fast becoming a sizable regional electronics player. So that is another economy that we'll watch for gains. The two other economies that we think would probably lag in terms of taking benefit of this upturn are Thailand and the Philippines, because we think their concentration in assembly, testing, packaging limits the potential that their exports can get from the cycle. Lansi Madhavani there. I'm Bernard Hickey. That was 5 and 5 with ANZ for Tuesday, January the 30th. Catch you tomorrow with that closer look at India's budget due on Thursday night. This podcast contains general information only, not investment advice. You should obtain advice for your personal circumstances before making any investment decisions. Please view the podcast disclaimer available via your media player or email.